The following program contains people who you might fawn over. You have been warned. If you genuinely enjoy the kind of work that you do, and the only reason why you're thinking of leaving is a single person who is really not the company, I'd probably say think twice. You're listening to Catch Obsessions with Mark Laguna. Season number three gives you a peek into different industries in my conversations with friends about their life and career. What's it really like to be a TV actor, a news reporter, a business lawyer, an artist, or some corporate hotshot? Find out in this episode and more. Enjoy eavesdropping! The best time to catch up is now. Catch up sessions. This is Catch Up Sessions, Life and Career Edition, and I am super excited to have on the program. Please welcome my pen pal, Nicole Avilia Rojo. That would be a sound effects. I'll put clapping sounds. <laughs> it's been forever since I last saw you. Hello, how have you been? Good. Um, I'm two months into a very long vacation, so it's been a lot faster than I thought. I I thought I'd be very bored, but I feel like I even want to slow down even more. But it's been good. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about you. You are the point of envy of uh, a lot of folks now because you've been traveling around. <laughs> yeah, around. Right in the middle of the pandemic. But let that not stop you from having a life. But before we move forward, I think we need to talk about the fact that we are pen pals. Yes, we well, are. Because we are batchmates many years ago, entering PNG, Philippines. And it all started with, I don't know who started it. Yeah, you're right. I actually don't remember. I think it was probably like I used to travel quite a bit, even when I was in the SMO and I would probably send you letters from wherever I was or postcards I'm not sure if not that dropping by our workstations and leaving yes. notes, like notepads that's true you can be pen pals even if you're in the same office it did continue especially when because you left the Philippines first yeah I did I, Singapore and then you went to Guangzhou after right yes but I remember I was still in Manila you would have office meets who would bring letters from you from Singapore it's like huh from my pen pal. Like, so it became yes. a proper pen pal arrangement. <laughs> More now with uh, two months in. So you are where exactly at this point in time? I'm right now in Las Vegas. Wait, are the casinos yeah. open? Yeah, the casinos are open. Like, uh, So Vegas has a mask mandate, but everything is open. And there's like a lot of people. We're narrowly avoiding the crowd because it's Labor Day weekend. Uh, this weekend so we're there like the weekdays prior so it's a little bit more calm now but I'm sure it's gonna be like really really busy uh, but we're gonna head out just before the crowds come so got it but you said you've been at it for two months so yeah favorites uh, of these two months by far absolute favorite was Alaska I had very low expectations for Alaska. The main reason why we wanted to go was, well, number one was because they do offer vaccination like at the airport. So the moment you land, you get vaccinated. 
So that was something that we really wanted to do. And then second was before leaving here, we were on lockdown in, well, sort of lockdown in Thailand for three months. Oh, yeah. um, so you're working from home and all of that. And, you know, like super urban jungle, you were in an apartment, like blah, blah, blah. So you really wanted to be out in nature, nature. and like hugging trees and all that did stuff. You actually hug so we, <laughs> yeah, I did. So I guess like, you know, Alaska, when we were looking at our options, was the one that fit the bill. Vaccination and lots of nature. And it surprised nice. me. Like, Alaska really surprised me. I know it's not a destination most people would go to. But in the summer, it is amazing. Because the time that we went, which was, like, in the middle of July, the whales were out feeding, the bears were out, salmon were spawning. So, so much wildlife. And then the weather is tolerable. So, you can do all the outdoor activities. You went glacier hiking, you went dog sledding, we went kayaking, like, yeah, a lot, a lot you can do. And luckily, we got to experience Alaska without, what do you call this? Because most people will go there on a cruise. Mm-hmm. And when those things docked, it's like 4,000, 5,000 people at a time in a tiny town. There was none. I think there was one when, or one or two when we were in Juneau, but... Largely, the towns were very empty. And yes, there were a lot of things that were closed. But the big things, anyway, like nature never really closes. So we were able to experience a lot of things. Um, So yeah, Alaska by far was a favorite. Close to that, which was our next stop, was Seattle. I've actually never been to Seattle. So it was like a hybrid because... It's very city, you know, it's like an Amazon Starbucks hub. So it's very like young tech crowd. But, you know, just a few minutes away by highway, you're again in the trailhead or you can climb a mountain, etc. So it's really, really nice that way. And we like cycling in Seattle a lot. And both Norman and I really like to, to bike around. So we enjoy that as well. So bikeable city it's a great city. Um, nice. So we, we did great. that. It's like a transition from your big National Geographic adventure, easing your way into the city fields. Yeah, it was like a hybrid of that. Uh, it was like a soft conversion into city ah, life. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that's what we did when we were like in LA and then now in Vegas. It's just, you know, desert and concrete. So um, it's very different. <laughs> so this is like state number how many now? Uh, state one, two, three, four, fifth, the fifth one. Awesome. And you have a month more. Uh, yeah, I have a month more. Quarter, because that's a, because, I don't know, who does too much? Start the fiscal. September's almost there. It's, uh, it's the birth month. Um, yeah, Merry Christmas. How many more stops for the rest of the month? Uh... One, two, three, five more. Ooh, five wow. more stops, yeah. And we might extend a week. I don't think it's really going to make a difference. The Philippines situation probably isn't going to change much. But yeah, we will probably extend by a week. Got it. So they must know you flew in from your three-month quarantine in Thailand, decided to go on this fun U.S. 10-state adventure for a full quarter, and then you'll be back here, home, Philippines. Yeah, for a while. A yeah, I have to adult a little bit um, and do some stuff <laughs> in Manila. But yeah, and then after that, hopefully, I'll start. We'll start figuring out like where we wanna settle and go and what I wanna do. 
now. Got it. So we'll go to that because that's the super juicy part. But I just want to yeah. because this is life and career. You are living the life of like who does a full quarter of a vacation this time and age also, right? Even if it's not the pandemic, it's not every day that you see someone doing that, right? But yeah. let's dive back to the glory days of your presidency in DLSU. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that was a long time ago. Yes, yes, yes. So you're a student, big achiever of uh, that university. And then you entered the wonderful world of corporate. Why? You know, it was, I think, just luck. I actually was thinking about going into law or politics, heading out of college. And then probably because my first degree was economics. So I really wanted to get into that kind of space. My second degree, though, was in marketing. Um, and that's kind of where things fell together. And then I, start, I started getting into the radar of PNG. So I think both of us were interns, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's where it all started. It wasn't like an active, I want to join PNG from the get-go. It was, a, you know, there was an opportunity. So I did the whole application process. And then um, I had my internship in PNG Singapore. And I really enjoyed it. I got an offer. So, you know, there was a job waiting for me when I graduated. So it was like, no question. I didn't really think about applying for anywhere else. Was there a rival to PNG? Wanted not really. Um, although I did get an offer from Craft, but you know, what is Craft now? Mondelez or something? But um, what is Craft? No, no. I mean, it's a different name now. No, yeah. But for me, it was like I enjoyed my internship a lot with PNG, and I felt like I, I could learn and thrive in in the company. So yeah, I went with it. I don't regret the decision, by the way. <laughs> So marketing, brand management, handling. I remember one of your first brands being Downey. HNS. Oh, HNS was the very first. I came full circle. So I started with HNS, and when I left, HNS was one of my brands because I was handling um, hair, skin, and um, personal care in Thailand. So I got to do hair care again in the in the book ends of my career, which is quite nice. But uh, what are the other brands that you touched in uh, the Philippines and um, So I did hair care, I did uh, oral and health, and then I did Downy, which is probably one of my favorites. Um, I did brand operations. So it was the beginning of e-commerce in the Philippines at that time. So all of the, the content <laughs> I had to find. And then we did all of the trial and digital. It was the beginning of that, that era. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Singapore and then I did Safeguard for the BFO uh, with the global team. And then I did Olay for a year and then I moved to Thailand and then I did the beauty portfolio. Super packed. And you did this <laughs> in a span of 12 years. 12 years, yeah. In just one company. Now, it's a norm for us to do that. I mean, people that you talk to in PNG. But for others, it's like, what? You spent the full decade plus in just one company? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what would you say was the, I guess, secret of overcoming yeah. the hump of like five years, seven years? Was there a time when you were like, eh? Yeah. You know, I, I I honestly don't feel like it was 12 years. Every time I say it was 12 years, you say, wow, that was a long time, but it didn't really feel that way. Um, actually, every fiscal year, it's like 
you know, I just feel like I ended last fiscal year and you guys are well into closing the first quarter already. And it's like, I barely blinked and you're already 25% through the fiscal. And I feel that way about PNG and even about my career because I really didn't stay much longer than two years in any of the assignments that I had. And really, if you break down two years, it's like, you know, six months of trying to figure out what's going on and onboarding and getting comfortable. You finally get your groove and then your last three months, you're kind of transitioning out to someone else. So (laughs) there's really just, you know, a year and a half of actually working. And that goes by really, really quickly in PNG. Um, So I feel like that constant movement was something that never really made me feel bored also because I've, I've always had very good career conversations with my managers and I say that now because I feel like my last one maybe I didn't have very good ones but but overall like I was very clear about where I wanted to go and I always told my manager when I was in Philippines like I really wanted to try out Singapore and try out uh, that kind of role etc and Lo and behold, it was something that I really liked and I really thrived in. So asking for it, I think, was also really important for me. But yeah, it's it's always been fun, I guess. I've had assignments where I've had less fun, but I've always learned a lot. So you talked about asking for it. When did you figure out what you wanted? Is it something like going in, I knew that one day I'll be part of leadership team? Was it something like that? Or no, actually, um, it's just part of networking, I guess, or because I've seen people move roles. Um, I would ask, like, what do you do? Um, what do you like about it? What's life like there, etc. I would also have really good mentors who yeah. I'd have conversations with about, you know, I would be very output driven, like, who makes these advertising things? Like who makes these campaigns and they'd figure out that, oh, this is, you know, BFO kind of work or this is RVU kind of work, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, I want to do that. Like that's the kind of thing that I have fun in. I think in Downey, I was given a lot of liberty by the marketing director then to do a lot more creative work versus Mm -hmm. my first three years where it was really very SMO kind of job. And when I started like dabbling into it and getting involved, it was like, hey, this is something that I'm super excited about um, and it energizes me. And you know, you hit a good point when you wake up in the morning and you're like, yeah, I'm so excited to go to the office. I'm excited to go to work. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So, and, and you know that, you know, the work is coming in and the people around you are energized to work on what you're working on. So it's like, okay, this is it. This is what I want to explore. And then that was when I started pushing, like, I really want to go into, I want to go to Singapore, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's kind of how it happened. So it's not automatic. It's a lot of you see people and then you hear from them. Because the usual Filipino setback is we're not as, let's say, open to just talking to mentors or ask yeah. People, yeah, vocal about it. What's your tip in and around that? Or were you ever that person? Or is just about, are you also ever since? Because you're, you're I'm actually quite introverted. And actually, it is something that I learned as I left PNG, that you'll encounter a lot of people in the different roles that you take. You'll experience, you know, working for different people and working with different people. 
And if you like them, I think you really need to make the effort to keep that network open and keep people updated about what you're doing. And I think this is a very Filipino thing is when you do that, the impression that most people would have is, oh, namumulite ka siya. Or being like parang sip-sip or whatever. And I used to feel that way watching other people say, ah, just because there's this VP in town, people are suddenly lining up for one-on-ones. And I'm like, the VP is just here. Like, why would I do that? I'm not even reporting to her or to him. But it's actually really important. And if it's someone that you're comfortable enough doing, uh, work talking to someone that you, you know, in the future want to keep a connection with, you know, a 30-minute connect or coffee or whatever actually won't really do you any harm. And as busy as the people up there seem, they do make time for these quick connects, even if it's 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just Saran, for example, you know how busy he is. Before I left, I dropped him a super quick note and I said, can I just give you a call? Because, you know, I'm about to go and, and I feel like, you know, we, we didn't really get to talk outside of business. He spent 30 minutes talking to me about my trip and all of that. And I know how busy the guy is and every minute is expensive. And it was a chat that, you know, I feel really wouldn't have helped PNG. <laughs> um, it was really just for us as people to connect. And so, but he, he made that time. Just because I asked. There's no harm in asking. I think it's the fear of, I'm not even sure what people are afraid of. It's one part, you don't want to be branded as it's maybe. But at the same time, mm-hmm. what do you say typically in conversation? Yeah. What is it for you? It varies on who the person is. There are others who, you know, let's say there's a certain piece of work that they did that I really, really liked and I wanted to learn a bit more on. I will have an agenda that's a little bit more business focused. Some are, you know, in a role that I'm kind of thinking about, you know, I want to explore or do, and I connect with them on that, uh, how they feel about it, etc. Sometimes it's more life skill. Like I would connect with my mentors before because I was struggling with a soft skill at work and I needed advice on how to overcome it. So for a long time, for example, I was so uncomfortable in meetings because I just, you know, 100 times would check myself mentally before saying anything. And then the moment has passed and I didn't say anything in the meeting. So that used to happen to me. And I was asking like, how can I overcome it? Or I'm having a hard time getting my point across. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time I talk, people don't understand what I'm trying to say. And so I got really good coaching for that as well on how to frame my thinking frame my writing so yeah I guess it depends on who you want to talk to but be very clear obviously if you only have 30 minutes have at least one topic that you really want to want to cover and on that how do you know what they're good at I mean it, it has a bit of research you have a network to just again because mm-hmm. in the PNG context it's so much easier I don't know outside because they don't actually have a formal network tool uh, that we have but what mm-hmm. what can you uh, you think so that you can you know point to the right person and you know, more often than not in any company if you ask for help they will not not give it how do you know who mm-hmm. the first thing? you know i very rarely connected with anyone that i didn't have a personal interaction with like i've you know someone who i've not at least been in one meeting with i would have had at least something with that person either 
a formal one where we were both in the same meeting or we were working on something similar or I met them at a networking thing in one of those regional conferences that we normally go to. And it's a friend of a friend, like that kind of connection. But very rarely do I cold email anyone and say, hello, I am this person, can I talk to you? Unless it's like a very specific business reason. Normally, there would be some slight connection with someone. In a way, at least that makes it easier to also really pay attention to the people that you Mm -hmm. work with. What is it that they probably are really, really good at, exceptional versus others, and that's... Mm -hmm who you want to learn it from. Or even, you mentioned kanina, and mga regional connects, which is, people are usually there. You don't you don't know what they do, but you hit mm-hmm. it off. Yeah. And first, your friends, right? Um, before anything else. So We'll definitely have to apply that. Again, in whichever context, it's true whether you're in corporate or even making it out in the world of business. I would imagine that would be even more helpful. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's, it's not easy. I know I said it like it was just you just connect like that kind of thing but it's really really hard even for me up to now I get really shy and when people offer me um you know like for example now that I'm not doing anything and people are like do you want to meet some people and I'm like I don't know if I'm ready yet like I I don't know if I want to meet up with anybody uh but like my next stop here is actually just because someone said hey I I have an um an idea for you uh, do you want to mm. talk about it? And so, hence, that's why we're going out to the next place that we're going to. Um, and I told Norman, like, I know we committed three months of not thinking about what's next and really vacationing, but it's sometimes calling. it's like, just try. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Um, yeah. So going more and more into that, uh, on the what's next, uh, before... Yes. That part, though, your last assignment in the company, you were based in wonderful Thailand. I love Thailand. What was that last stint like? Like life-wise or career-wise? Um, okay, life-wise, I mean, the last two years, unfortunately, was like COVID period. So I had maybe six months of bliss and then COVID hit. It was good and bad in Thailand in the sense that, you know, the country curbed it in the first wave really quickly. Yeah, so we were at zero cases for a really long time. And by June, July-ish, um, it, things were pretty much back to normal. I mean, we even had our year-end OGSM in person. We were one of the few SMOs that were able to do that. And the country remained closed to tourists for that period. And so while the islands were open and domestic travel was encouraged, there were no tourists. Mm. So that was the actually the best time for us to really explore Thailand. So both me and my partner, um, we really went around. I I majored in staycations while I was in that assignment, um, trying different resorts and, and staying in different places. So that was really okay. fun. And I feel like that's also the reason why I love Thailand so much. Mm. Because we got to see a lot of it. From a work standpoint, it was really, really a tough one for me because it was my first band four assignment and then going back to the SMO after four years well maybe about five years of not really doing SMO work Mm -hmm. kind of jogged my memory a bit on oh my god like how how does this work again Mm -hmm. new country new brands it was a lot of change so the first six months for me was really quite hectic just trying to learn and catch up and challenge myself. But, you know, at the end of it, 
uh, I left the business proudly in, in a state that you know, we won awards for, got recognized for. And I feel like I proved to myself, oh, I can do this job as difficult as it was in the beginning. I proved to myself that I could do it. Uh, so I did leave without that heavy burden thinking, oh my God, I didn't do great. I actually feel like I did really, really well. And, and I was happy with more than anything, the team that I left behind got really, really personally attached to, to them. Um, and uh, I'm happy that, you know, assignment planning happened. Um, a lot of them are moving to Singapore. And I think a lot of them are really thriving in their roles. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really, really happy with how I left. Yep. So you left on the high, basically. Mm. Right? Yeah. It goes back to the question... Why did you leave in the first place? The answer to why she left the best fast-moving consumer goods company in the world, plus what's next for Nicole after her U.S. adventure, coming up after the break. For now, do take the time to follow the show on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Watch out for more episodes talking about life and career. I'm always on the lookout for hot recommendations on who you want me to catch up with next. Just slide into my DMs at Catch Up Sessions on Instagram. Life and Career Edition. It came to a point where when when you're a band for a senior director, you really need to, or actually even, you know, as a band three, a director, the job is so tough that you really need to love what, what you, do? you do to do it well. Because the amount of pressure and time plus working in the middle of a pandemic is not a joke. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so for me, I was very clear, even after this assignment where I feel like I did okay, that there was a certain kind of job that I really thrived and wanted to do. And it just wasn't something that the company could offer me at that time. And it was time for me to move to my next assignment. So mutually, we agreed, okay, this is the best time for me already to go. I I'm leaving the business in a good place, the organization in a good place, um, it's actually a great time to leave. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like it was just timing. Um, also because, you know, this pandemic is going to stretch out a little bit more, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah, it was just the right time. Got it. So you mentioned leaving a company where you have been working for for more than a decade is sexy <laughs> to just uh, put it out there because you know these are things that you don't expect from people you you, you did mention you're doing so well the man right but uh, mm -hmm. to your point it just came at the point where in mutually or i guess the direction is not the same anymore for you to continue to do what you love doing um yeah. i guess bring you another assignment mm -hmm. right it, it just is not a good fit but you have to tell us about the moment that it became public to the world that <laughs> July 1, 
is pursuing her personal interest. What was I can just only imagine? What was the deluge like? Yeah, that it it actually was a very sad day. Of people <laughs> approaching you, asking the same uh, question. Well, it's just we were working from home, mm-hmm. so the first of obviously the first people that we told was the Thailand leadership team followed by my team, the beauty care team, before we announced it to the Thailand organization. There were maybe three or four people in the leadership team who knew. But for everybody else, it was a lot of shock. They mm. knew that obviously the announcement is coming. And you know how announcements go. Like when you get it on the calendar, people start speculating who is who. <laughs> My leaving wasn't one of the speculations. So it really caught a lot of people in, in shock. Um, it, it, yeah, I think for my, my team, it was hard because they also were speculating. They kind of had an idea that it would be about me, but they had no idea that it was about me leaving. Um, so that was hard because there was this moment of silence. And then we realized through the call that people were crying um, mm-hmm. and hence couldn't talk. So, um, you know, luckily like Nitin, my boss, then gave gave people time to catch their breath and, and speak. So, um, you know, I remember just crying and crying and crying because I people were crying also. So it was a very emotional farewell, I think. And we told them early enough um, about a month and a half before I my last day or a month before my last day. Um, so in the next month, it was a lot of farewells, a lot of one-on-ones. Um, unfortunately, you know, we were on lockdown in Thailand. So people would come one at a time, meet me at the uh, condo lobby and, you know, say goodbye, give gifts. So we couldn't have a formal like party and celebration and all of that. But really people made an effort and then I felt so so loved and it was like oh my god how are you gonna leave Thailand now so but anyway that's that's what happens and yeah it was it was hard but you know life goes on what about the questions from people how are you taking it because again this is not the usual iba lang talaga if you've been there for so long and it seems yeah. like we're having fun but then that's the disconnect in my head if you were enjoying the man in the context of the whole TNG system, is there really nothing that could have kept you? Not really, because you will have fun in the company primarily because of people. I think if you're surrounded by a great team, even if your business is tanking, you'll still find the silver lining in it all. I mean, you will go battle together with people that you like. The enjoyment had less to do with the business and how tough the business was in itself mm-hmm. versus being with people. But again, you know, people in PNG is fluid. You don't have the same team all the time. I was lucky with the team that I had, the boss that I had, the bosses that I had, but the business is a little bit more constant. And that's the part where I was like, okay, in this business, professionally, no matter how, how much I feel connected to the people in this company, is it something that I want to do for the next, again, next two years, right? And I was like, yeah, it, it's come to a point where, you know, I would lose sleep over the business, et cetera. And I was like, yeah, maybe maybe that's not what <laughs> I want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah. It's basically work crossing over your life. And, you know, it would creep up on me unknowingly. Like, I would feel like, oh, no, I'm dealing with pressure really, really well, or I have really good work-life balance, etc. But Norman would know, he like, or, for example, I cannot sleep without melatonin. Like, I aided sleep, or else I cannot sleep. Uh, Norman, I would, you know, talk in the middle of the night, like, my hair was falling out, like, a lot of changes were also happening with my body that I was kind of neglecting and kind of in denial about that it was related to stress and all of that. And I'm sure everybody goes through it and deals with it in different ways. But for me, it was physically manifesting already, even if I was ignoring it. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, that's kind of where I, where I was. So top tip right there, make sure you're surrounded by people who can see you, right? <laughs> During the non-stress and then the stress time, so that you can be pointed out. Because yeah, some of these things you also have sort of this not only a pride thing, but I can manage through this. But you're telling us people found telltale signs, and eventually you mm-hmm. recognized it. You know what you're doing now is not worth that anymore. Yeah. But which part of it is because of the pandemic? I guess it has to be asked, right? Versus the non-pandemic factor. I think a huge part of it was pandemic related. I think while a lot of people in our company or in PNG are comfortable working from home, I really do think having this connection, like physical face-to-face connection is really, really important. I used to think that trips to Singapore were kind of junket trips, but really they were important to have face-to-face connections with those people. And even if I speak to them on email, call them regularly, there's just a different connection. Um, it's very, very different. So I do hope that you know things will go back to normal soon. It just doesn't look like it by, mm-hmm. by the looks of it. And... Um, yeah, and it's not like I'm getting any younger as well. <laughs> We're getting any younger as well. So young. What you saying? Yeah. <laughs> this might come off as a weird question, but uh, what would you tell someone experiencing stress at work? But what would you say would be the reasons for someone to stay versus the reasons for someone to move on to the next? Mm, I think... You know, I I follow a lot of Instagram accounts that, that kind of help me process these things. One of the exercises that I really like when I feel burned out is tracing the source of my burnout. Um, sometimes it's volume, just the amount of work, in which case it's a matter of priority setting and figuring out what are the things you need to be bullish about, telling your boss, I don't want to do this or I cannot do this now and cutting that work out. So sometimes the burnout is driven by volume. Sometimes the burnout is driven by repetitiveness, just mm-hmm. of you know the bureaucracy of the things that we go through. And we have a lot of it in PNG. But sometimes it's things that feel administrative to us that don't really add work, but take so many hours to do. And in which case, then you start asking about, is this something that we can simplify, i.e. remove things from the process? Can we automate the process or can we outsource the process? Like that kind of thinking then comes out. 
And then sometimes your burnout is also people-driven. Like there's just someone that stresses you out at work or you just don't get along with, but unfortunately becomes a bottleneck when you start talking business. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's just some people that you don't jive with. There's, I don't think necessarily that there are evil people in the company, but they're just people that you don't get along with. Um, and you then you start to mend that relationship. It's either you take yourself out of the relationship, ask to get moved out, Or if you feel comfortable enough, really confront the person or tell your manager. But sometimes people can also be a source of your burnout. Just avoiding someone in the office can burn you out and make you feel bitter and angry. Um, so those three things typically are where I sit and I'm like, I'm feeling really unmotivated, don't want to go to work. Why is it? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then I guess solve it, quote unquote, if it is indeed solvable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to understand first if if it's salvageable, the right? yeah. But from what you shared earlier, it's also at the root of this is the type of work, career, professional life that I want to do. Then that's something that, right? probably not mm-hmm. salvageable in that same context. That period. Oh, yeah. Uh, so short of saying, it seems like you are quite pleased with your decision. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> The the true test is of course we waited a few years out if we had this conversation again, <laughs> but yeah. uh, till that time, usually when people leave one company, the next is ready. Is that the same mm-hmm. case? No, no. Um, and I think okay, going back to another three things, I think there are three things that are really important that very rarely come together at the same time. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, your time, money, and health. So normally we have two of the three or one of the three, but never three at the same time. So for example, from college, if you graduate from college, you would have the health. You're mm-hmm. at the prime of your youth. Yeah, you would you have the time because you're not yet working, but you don't have money. So you probably won't be able to travel a lot or really explore the world. Uh, you don't have the resources to do it. The opposite end is also true. If you wait for retirement, you probably will have the time and the money, but probably not the health mm-hmm. to, to do a lot of these adventurous things. We were at the crossroads for me and Norman where we were like, you know, we have all three right now. We have yeah. the time, the money, and the health to do this. At the same time, why would we be rushing into what comes next in the middle of a pandemic? Mm. It, it's difficult to join or do something new virtually. And I get it. Like, ask any new hire that we hired, that PNG hired in the last six months, even in the SMO, where everybody was working from home, they probably have never seen their boss in real life. It's really, really hard. Um, and of course, that's not something that I want to rush into. It's not like I'm, I have a deadline. It's not like I have children to feed. I just have to think about myself and Norman. We're right now living out of our suitcases. Our things are in storage. So we're giving ourselves this time to, you know, adventure and really relax a little bit, discover new things, maybe find inspiration, change our environment a lot so that You know, we might figure out that this is the next thing for us and just yeah. kind of be open. Because I feel like if I sit in front of a computer and start 
typing in what's next, what's next on Google and just searched on LinkedIn for new jobs, then it's not really going to give me a good feel of the place. So for example, being in Seattle made me think, okay, I get it. This is probably how the Amazon life would be like. And is it something that I would like? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's... um, yeah, so that's a lot of happening. dipping your toes in. Of course, it's not the mm-hmm. whole experience, but it's so much better than, to your point, checking out LinkedIn <laughs> mm-hmm. and seeing what that's like. Yeah. yeah, well, brave, but also, I mean, there's a lot of security in mm-hmm. that. Do you have a deadline, though? Because, I mean, the trip will be over in a month's time. But after that, is there some sort of time window that you're saying, I sort of need to decide the next step? Mm, not really. I... I did give myself like a guardrail of three months of not really thinking about it and just letting life happen and living for the day kind of thing, which is why I still feel busy now because really this, this trip planning it wasn't, isn't normally how I would plan a trip. Normally, I would have a full Excel sheet where every hour is planned out, including what time I wake up. Now it's like, okay... I haven't even booked my flight yet for the next state. It's something actually I have to do today. So it's kind of when we're in the place, I start researching or the night before. It's like we went on a six-day road trip on a motorbike. And every night we would stay in a different small town. But I will only figure out what happens in that small town like when we get there. Like I will read up on a book, get on Yelp or TripAdvisor or whatever and just do what, whatever we can for the day. So my planning isn't that far, far ahead. And that's how we wanted to live for the next, for this three-month period. After that, when we're back in Manila, maybe I'll start thinking about and connecting with people now on um, what can come next yep. uh, and what opportunities are out there. Um, I think mentally and emotionally, I'll be ready as well. It's not in a bad way, but I feel like I have to cleanse PNG out of my system. Otherwise, you know, I'll just go into the next job and treat it like PNG when it's not. So is there um, because again, coming off from the fact that you said you don't want the same work environment or the work type, is there a mm-hmm. short list of I will never go into? Let's say not Unilever, not Mondelez, make it a map. I wouldn't say it's a firm no. But right now, it's not my preference. Like every day I wake up and I get more and more sure about not going back into FMCG and really trying to do something different. I mean, we connected with a lot of people here in the US um, while we were here. And of course, we would talk about what they would, what, what kind of jobs they were doing and their, their journey here in America. And for everybody, it's different. Yes, a lot of people are in healthcare, but you know, some are in real estate. Some are, you know, we have a friend that I didn't even know this job existed is he's a surgical tech. Have you ever heard of that? What he does is very simple. It is, you know, after an operation in the hospital, the tools go into his department. He cleans them and makes sure that every machine is ready for the next operation. And then his job is done. Someone has to do it. (laughs) Someone has to do it. He took a course for it. He used to be in sales in the Philippines. He took this kind of health course. And I hate to say it, but it pays really, really well, even better than a lot of the PNG jobs. And his job is kind of a nine to five. Well, it depends on how many operations there are in the day. But when his day is done, it's done. And he has nothing to think about when he gets home. Yeah, but I mean, there are people that are 
doing that kind of job. And yeah, it's just it, it's just interesting that it's a different culture. It opens your mind to why do I have to go back to an FMCG and the same kind of job in a different company? When you're young enough to have great experience to join a completely different industry and a different kind of business. So, yeah. Well, the future looks quite exciting for you. Because uh, <laughs> it's an open box. But uh, mm. before I let you go and have your breakfast for the day, yeah. final question for me. This whole life that you uh, and, and the whole career journey, more in the recent, who will you not recommend this to? of exiting, going into the living by the day, because you are not that person, but you're living it now. But who would you say absolutely don't do this for your own sanity? I think the people that need to think twice about moving so often are probably people who have families to support. I think Mm -hmm. that makes it a little difficult. Second is, if you genuinely enjoy the kind of work that you do, And the only reason why you're thinking of leaving is a single person who is really not the company and you can get away from that person, I'd probably say think twice. Usually because people associate, let's say, the last boss. It's like, oh, this company is so bad. It's just one person. Unfortunately, most people will leave a company not because of the company itself, but because of bad bosses. That's the truth. And... In a lot of places, you do get stuck with this one boss forever in a department. But the way that PNG is structured, you can get away from that person. Either he um, leaves first or you leave first. So someone's got to or ask or ask to get moved to another team. Like it's possible. Also, know that PNG is a small world, so kind of have to evaluate that with a grain of salt. But it's possible, I think, in PNG versus other companies where you have the same boss for like 10 years. So, yeah. You ask really hard questions. Well, these are the real questions in my head and heart. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for taking out the time in your fun three-month getaway to answer and catch up with me. I let you go. You have fun. But uh, on that note, any any final message to the people who you're meeting in the Philippines before you uh, <laughs> you have a banner? <laughs> no, I, I you know I think um, we have so much content and I've been dilly dallying on this YouTube channel thing, but we probably will work on it when we get back to the Philippines. Uh, but I know like there's so many people I want to see and connect with that I haven't seen in ages. But I also know it's still the middle of the pandemic, so it's kind of a restrained hi hello. And we'll probably have to still be careful about it. I still want people not to be careless about it. Um, so I don't want to be the the beginning of everybody, let's get together because I'm home kind of thing. Probably not going to happen soon, but I hope slowly and safely I can see people maybe one, two at a time. <laughs> let's see. Cool. Looking forward yeah. to catch up. We'll yeah. And I'll catch you later. Catch you later. Look at that, you made it this far. Check out the other episodes so you get to hear about another industry. I also have friends from around the world in Season 2 and a great migration in Season 4. Special thanks to JB Tabuzo for the episode cover art. He's one of the featured guests in this season. And Patrick Chung, who recorded that awesome song from Down Under in Tasmania. 
His episode is featured in Season 2. Find links to their works in the show's Instagram account at Catch Up Sessions. Catch you next time! Life and Career Edition.